Listen up, MoCast listeners. GoDaddy hosting plans are more powerful than ever. Best of all, plans start at just $3.95 a month. And no matter what plan you choose, your site receives 24-7 maintenance and protection in the GoDaddy.com world-class data center. Plus, as a listener of MuggleCast, enter code RON, that's R-O-N, when you check out and get your .com domain name for just $6.95 a year. Some restrictions always apply, but check that site out for the details. Get your piece of the internet at GoDaddy. This is, this is Professor McGonagall welcoming you to all to MuggleCast, hoping you enjoyed. Dobby, Dobby, come here. Yeah, Dobby. Yes, well, I'd just like to say how very pleased I am to introduce MuggleCast to all of you. Thank you. Thank you. Because you may not have known Patrick Doyle completely improvised the Yule Ball score, this is MuggleCast, episode 170, for February 16th, 2009. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the show. It's our Valentine's Day special! Woo! Heart. Aw. Um... We don't have much planned, I'll be honest with you. There's not much. We have a we have a favorite segment that's all about love, but I'm sure we can work in love throughout the show in a, in a variety of ways. Um, uh, special this week, we have a very nice interview with uh, the Goblet of Fire composer Patrick Doyle. Matt and Micah worked this one up. Good job, guys. Oh, thank you. I give you guys my love because it's Valentine's. Oh, Day. that's, that's so, so the day sweet. after. Yes. I was just going to say, and I'm sure we could mention it later, though, we owe a big thanks to uh, Syracuse University for getting us that interview. Love to them, too, because it's Valentine's Day. Yes. We're spreading the love. 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 Um, So, yeah, we got that, and we got a lot of news to catch up on because it's been a few weeks, but it's so good to talk to everyone again, I must say. Um, So let's get right into the show. I'm Andrew Sims. I'm Eric Skull. I'm Laura Thompson. I'm Micah Tannenbaum. I'm Matt Britton. And I'm Nick Myers. Micah Tannenbaum, it's been a few weeks, so there's a lot of news to catch up on. What's going on? Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to remember how to even do this, but uh, oh my! the biggest news, of course, was on uh, Monday, we got some high-res versions of the Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince posters that... Finally! W- yeah, Yay! they were originally... Yes, fi- what the... F- what? Not Finally. the show, Matt. Oh. Wrong show. <laughs> uh- <laughs> oh... My yeah, actually, they're nice, Dumbledore. but I thought they were too blue, so I actually took took it down a notch. 
I took the I took the high def uh, images and uh, or high res images, and I I took the I took them I took them down a notch in, as far as blue, and uh, so I have them on my desktop now, and they're not. You, you, you guys see what I'm saying? Look at looking at that. That's, that's funny, Eric, because I actually changed it to lavender. I think it has a better um, so ambiance to it. I, I honestly <laughs> yeah. think, yeah. I Is that for Valentine's Day? Nobody cares what colors you change. Okay, fine. I, I I like the blue. I I thought it was a nice tone. It, it's it's dark tone. It isn't isn't the oh I guess Aren't not. They it's always green blue? for Half Blood Prince. Yeah, they they usually yeah. have a blue cast to them. Yeah, didn't the posters kind of remind you? They had kind of like a Goblet of Fire resemblance, like the Goblet of Fire posters. Sort of. Well, it's what? rainy. Well, yeah, in the in fact that they had more of an epic look to them. Yeah, I would yeah. agree. Is, is that yeah. rain or is that snow? Epic. <laughs> it's probably maybe it's snow. It's, well, it's rain. It's, they're, they're probably still on that little island in the middle of the ocean, oh, right, with mist maybe. in front of the cave. Mist. Yeah. That's it. It's mist. I thought it was going to be the astronomy tower, but I don't know if it was raining. Why? That night. And, and the mist was just air bubbles it could have been and falling down. I don't know. You know how they like to change things. <laughs> Warner Brothers mixes it up. It's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Harry yeah. could die in it too. He could. Falling there with Dumbledore. There's um, a lot of people are wondering what's up with Dumbledore's hand. Why he doesn't have his hand isn't all battered up like it's supposed to be? Yeah, because it's only PG. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> they, they can't yeah. make his hand any scarier. No, I, well that is going to be in the movie. It's not like I I was thinking maybe it's just because they don't want to confuse people who are just looking at the posters, being like, oh, why is his hand all messed up? Doesn't really make sense in the context of the poster. I would think that would be a point of interest. If they did that, like, not, oh my yeah. god, why is his hand all yeah. screwed up? Like, I don't know. I think that would attract people. I'm not entirely sure they didn't do that. If you look at uh, yeah. his, I guess it's his left hand, the for, the finger yeah. closest towards him is pure black, and the other finger kind of yeah. looks cut off. It's it's darker than his other, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think, I, I don't remember yeah, you're right. what it looked like, or if I even saw what it looked like completed, but... Maybe they only have like half his hand, and then it spreads to like his whole hand down by his palm. I don't know. It, it looks blacker than it should. His hand, in parts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you guys think about this? Them having HP and and the number like of, the, of the book. I thought that was really cheesy. Yeah, I thought it was really cheesy too. Th- them trying to adjust the um the whole lightning bolt thing into a six. So yeah. Like, <laughs> I thought that was kind of lame. It's th- th- that's what made me think: is this is this actually real? Is this a real poster? Yeah, it does look fake. And it seems like they're really emphasizing that whole once again. I must ask too much of you, Harry. Like because that's been in the trailers and yeah. now it's on the poster. Yeah, but don't they mm-hmm. always like... have that one line? <laughs> Every like yeah. last time it was you'll lose yeah. everything. Yeah, like everything is going to change. Yeah. Everything changes. I do love how Dumbledore is in Harry's glasses. Yeah, that is awesome. Yes. That's pretty that's pretty yeah. awesome. It, it, it kind of would have been a little better if they didn't have the same poster in it. See, that's what made me think about the uh, astronomy tower was the fact that he's seeing Dumbledore in his glasses. And it, it kind of looks like he's dying or in the process like, of getting hit with something. But these posters are never shots from the movie. You know, they're just like promotional yeah. poses. That could explain why they've missed a black hand off if it's an aftershot. They haven't made his hand up and everything. Yeah, I mean, these are just promos more than anything, but yeah. Harry's got really blue lips in this, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's hypothermia. I didn't notice that. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. um, 
Yeah, so uh, they're cool posters, and it's uh, it's about time because that was one of those things before the delay happened. People were really wondering mm-hmm. where the hell the posters were. Um, well, here they are. I have one question yeah. though about Harry's poster. Um, with uh, what's he wearing? No, his arm is his arm reflected in his own jacket, or is that something else? If you look at it, oh, I see what you you're talking about. Um. I think it's just the ruffling of the, of the cloth. Because it almost looks like it's a reflection of something else, kind of similar to how Dumbledore was reflected in his glasses. Yeah. Yeah, it does look weird. I just think it's a combination of the lighting oh, and, like, the angle. Weird. More so the, more so the lighting, because you see some light hitting the back of Harry's right hand, and then I think that light's going over the hand and onto his shirt. No, it's, the, it's actually the special effects guy, Lenny. <laughs> <laughs> you know, honestly, an oversight like Le- that. Lenny is a very skilled CGI Photoshop man. He would not go. He would not miss something like that. I can't see a scar either. No surprise there, though. Yeah, no scar, <laughs> and his eyes aren't green. Wow. <laughs> no, I, I no. You could see the scar a little bit, can't you? No. Or maybe that's just Shadow. his hair. Okay. Well, okay. He, he doesn't. Well, Dumbledore doesn't have glasses. Yeah, but that's um, not central to the plot. Yeah. He does actually. Actually, you know what? That, that, that's interesting you say yeah. that because in the movie he does. Harry wear the has glasses, blue eyes. I forgot. Is the thing like this is the first movie that I right. noticed that Michael Gambon wore the Dumbledore glasses, and yeah, no, it is. I, I think he kind of looks weaker without the glasses on, and this is sort of like an epic, but maybe not weaker, but well, especially older. especially if he has them on most of the movie and then takes them off. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, plus, wouldn't it look kind of silly if? Harry's glasses show Dumbledore and Dumbledore's wearing Dumbledore. glasses, maybe? Yeah. I don't know. But it's someone a- someone in the comments was saying Dumbledore <laughs> looks like Santa in this picture, and I kind of agree. <laughs> what else is going on, Micah? Uh, well, earlier this week, the New York Times reported that there's going to be a little bit of a preview of Half-Blood Prince at the Oscars on February 22nd. And uh, from the article, it seems like it's going to come at the end of the show. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. It's going to be, you know, they're going to be probably hyping it up throughout the Oscars. Because they're really hyping up a different uh, a a new Oscars this year. It's going to be different from the other ones. So I, I a lot of people are wondering if this is going to be a new clip or not. But I, I think it will be. I don't see why they would play something that we've already seen. That would be lame if they didn't. Yeah, for they something to... as epic as the Oscars, I don't. It's true. Well, there's well they, they were saying they were going to show like um trailers from from like like debut trailers and footage that no one from movies that people haven't even heard about yet too. So I mean, it it would just be stupid if 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 Warner Brothers just chucked out this uh, trailer that they've been showing like a million times already. And they're not the only ones that are doing a little sneak peek into Half Blood Prince. The day before, MTV is actually going to be doing one. And Andrew, you guys are going to be involved in that, aren't you? Well, sort of. It, yeah, the, on February twenty first, there's going to be a, a showing of MTV spoilers. It's this new show they're doing, and. They just announced today that they were, were recording Friday that they are going to have be playing clips from upcoming WB films, including Half Blood Prince. And it turns out Matt and I actually got some tickets to this screening because it's a Watchmen. It's a screening. Watchmen screening. But we don't know if they're actually going to play these other clips at the the screening that we're going to. So they may just add them later. But we we have no idea which which way they're going to. Well, do I, it. are they going to be? Sh- uh, they could just be showing it when they um, release it on TV. 
Right. That's what I'm saying. Oh, well. Yeah. So we don't know whether we're going to be seeing, we are going to be seeing them or not. Because this taping happens on uh, this upcoming Wednesday, the 18th. Hmm. I think it's an 18th. Yeah, it is. Neat. And then the show will be out that following, that upcoming, or this upcoming Saturday. So. Hmm. It'll be cool. It you know, WB's obviously trying to get a lot of promotional stuff out with Half of Prince now. All right. So. Well, moving on, timely with Valentine's Day. There's a uh little bit of news on the upcoming Deathly Hollows film. Uh both Emma Watson and Rupert Grint have confessed that they are a little bit nervous about a kissing scene that's coming up in uh Oh. The seventh film. I think this is so funny that they're both like, oh, I'm so afraid to kiss the other. You know, secretly, they really want it. Yeah, they're so excited. <laughs> as soon as their cue goes up, they're going to be... She, she's going to pin him to the wall. Yeah. She's going to throw him. I hope it gets crazy. It's going to get crazy <laughs> in theaters when people are watching this. Oh, oh my God. Like big, yeah, can you imagine? Yeah. I can just imagine them really hyping it up, too, in the movie. Just all this, like, romantic music being played as soon as they start kissing. They should. They deserve it. I'm going to bring cotton balls to put in my ears because all the screeching that's going to be going on. (laughs) Yep. Cotton balls ain't going to (laughs) work. Well, uh, you're going to have to stick some cotton balls in my mouth because I will be screaming, too. (laughs) Or drooling. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Are you a Rupert Grant fan, Andrew? Well, it's so funny because... What? Are you a Rupert Grant fan? No, and... Yes. I guess the joke would have been funnier if I said yeah, yes. So. Yeah, I am. I really do like <laughs> it. Um, but it's so funny just the way they're both like, because Emma's like, well, I've never had to do it before, so I can't say <laughs> I have any techniques. I've never had to kiss anyone on screen, so it's all new to me. Then Rupert's like, I've known Emma for so long, I reckon it'll be <laughs> ten times worse. I really love the seventh book, but there's no way it'll be tame with the Hermione stuff. <laughs> because he sounds like a so stoner, funny. apparently. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, come on. It's not like he hasn't thought about it before. I guarantee you he's thought about it a number of times. Just watch. Just watch, too. After this film, they're going to be coming on the red carpet as a couple. Mm. But you guys know this is going to be like the big the big press thing. Oh, yeah. Like, whenever they get interviewed, what was it like kissing Rupert for the first time? Oh, it was, it was okay. I mean, after the first... And then there's going to be the tabloids that say they did it 50 times. Actually, actually... And they ended up liking it. <laughs> or... There will be tabloid stories about how the kiss went on longer than it was supposed to. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they actually are in love. I say it got darker. It got darker with each passing kiss. <laughs> so much darker. <laughs> Didn't Emma say something about Dan had told her that the kissing, that they do like 10, 15 takes and it gets boring after a while? Yeah. Did, did you yeah, guys read yeah. that quote? It was hilarious. Yeah. I, I mean, that's how I usually feel, too. Not acting kissing, like real kissing. Well, after 10, 15 <laughs> yeah. times, it's just not worth doing anymore? Yeah. That's really yeah. sad. No. Mm. I kiss other things. I feel bad for your significant other. <laughs> he, he, he kissed a girl and he liked it. <laughs> for the first five times that he got bored. <laughs> what else, Micah? Well, we did Kissing love. It's Valentine's well, Day. Happy Valentine's Day show. Yeah, what we're, we're going to move to something a little bit more serious, but we didn't have a chance to talk about this since our last episode, I think it happened shortly after, uh, one of right. the stuntmen uh, was injured on the Deathly Hollows set um, a couple of weeks ago. He was performing an aerial stunt when he uh, fell down to the ground, and uh, both Dan Radcliffe and Tom Felton went to visit him in the hospital the other day. Um, we don't really know 
much about his condition, right? I I hadn't seen a whole lot released, right. just that he is in stable condition. But we don't know the yeah. extent of his injuries yeah. right now. I think the only good news is that he's not in really bad critical condition. But, um, yeah, he's still in the hospital. And it, it was nice seeing that Dan and Tom both went to, um, you know, check up on him. Yeah. Right. And obviously, he's had a lot of support from the fans, but it just sucks. I mean, it, that's the first week of test filming, and then all of a sudden, this happens. It's the last film. You know, this guy's been there forever. Yeah, he's relatively young, obviously. He's, um, what was he, 25? It's a shame, Very and it must sad. really get them down, because they must be really excited to start. But Right. The one question I had out of this was, what scene do you think... It said it was an aerial stunt. Um, yeah, and there was fire, was it? Or a blast, some sort of so explosion. So maybe the so. seven, seven potters, potters yeah. when they were escaping. <laughs> could be anything. Yeah. Yeah, it really could be anything. I mean, yeah. it just there's so many scenes in this book. But yeah. hopefully he uh, recovers and gets well soon. What else? I'll stay with Deathly Hollows. Uh, recent news, actually today, the day we're recording, uh, a little bit of casting. Stefan Rodri, I hope that's how you say his name, was cast as Reg Cattermole, and he said that uh, he'll begin filming yes. in the fall. So we're getting some news slowly, but uh, I think we'll start to hear more leak out in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, keyword there's leak because I mean this was an interview. It's you know I think WB sort of just expects these actors are gonna say something in an interview because this guy um stefan only did this for some play he was going to be in mm, right so he looks like a good guy to fit the part he's um right catamore catamore is that uh guy in the ministry of magic who takes the uh, puking pastels mm-hmm. so that should be funny if that's yeah, in yeah. there well isn't he also <laughs> so isn't he the guy who gets impersonated by one of the trio in the, yeah, wrong. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because they have the puking... Pa- he takes the puking pastels first, right? So right. he's not and, there. And it isn't his wife the one that yeah. Harry goes to save? But so yeah. that looks yeah. like that whole ministry scene is in. Yeah. So that's cool. So actually, that is kind of big news. So we know that's in there. It's exciting. Gives us an idea of where they're cutting the film in half as well. We're getting at least chapter 14 mm-hmm. in the first film. Right, yeah. <laughs> oh my God, is that chapter 14? Oh, <laughs> well... That also makes me wonder if, uh, oh, I'm going to forget her name now, too. Professor oh, Umbridge is going to be back. Oh, Imelda Staunton. Oh, I, I hope, hope so. so. I hope so. And anything else, Micah? Yep. One last piece of news. J.K. Rowling, back on uh, February 3rd, was inducted into France's Legion of Honor, and she was bestowed the title of Knight by uh, President Nicolas Sarkozy. Ooh la la. So she just keeps racking them up. I mean, one after the other. She's got a lot of things she yeah. could be proud of, that's she for sure. Busy. Aside from yeah. the series, all these awards she's received. Yeah, and she, um, she, she, her entire acceptance speech was in French, too, yeah. which was kind of cool. Yeah, did that was so really well. impressive. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. she taught yeah. French, hadn't she, in, in Portugal? Right. That just shows you it's somebody who has respect for where she's going and, and who she's talking to that she actually gave the speech in their language. It's just a cool thing to do. Yeah, that couldn't have been easy, too. I mean, that must take some preparation to make sure you get everything right. Yeah. Pronounce everything mm-hmm. right. So, good for her. And there's a great picture, few great pictures of her um, 
accepting the Legion of Honor. Yeah. So. Yay. That was really cool stuff. Anything else, Micah? I don't have anything else. Eric, did you yeah, have you something? you heard what happened in Edinburgh, too. Speaking of JKR, uh, getting honored. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, she was able to, or she, her handprints were put in the city chambers in Edinburgh, Scotland, um, next to Ian Rankin's. Um, that's, yeah, that's That's sweet. pretty special. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love that picture of her handprints getting traced. She she looks a little <laughs> nervous. <laughs> Maybe it's just me, but I don't know. It, it was a cute picture. Um, I, I really want to go visit that now. That's got to be sweet. That's got to be a really nice area, too. We'll, uh, city we'll, we'll go there, and then we'll swing by the uh, Balmoral Hotel and uh, check out the bus there. And, yeah. Yeah, road trip. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to some announcements. As always, don't forget to vote for us on Podcast Alley. It's a, This is the first episode of February, so we appreciate your vote over there you guys are always very supportive right now we're number 10 but i'm sure after this episode we can bump up a few places to remind people we're still kicking um uh-huh. also don't forget we're going to be at azcatraz 2009 that's hp2009.org we're going to be doing a podcast at like 3 a.m with our friends at leaky right after half blood prince makes its midnight premiere so we're all going to go see it. And they told us um, um, the other day, I heard that we're going to have um, seats in the theater, like right next to the door. So as soon as the movie ends, we can run out of there and get ready for the podcast before everyone else mm-hmm. starts trying to get out. Do we get a police escort? Uh, yes. <laughs> yes, please. We're <laughs> actually getting a helicopter. We're going nice. to be flown. Oh, well, really? From the theater. Awesome. Yeah. I, I would just settle for like a limo or something. I've been fine. Mm. Diva. Mm. Well, anyway, and also we have a pretty cool uh, announcement that we made earlier this week, right, Micah? Yeah, we uh, made it on MuggleNet about a little bit of a reality competition that's going to be going on uh, leading up to Ascatraz this year. And what's that called? <laughs> <laughs> like, what is it? I, I was like throwing it to Andrew, and he's just like, I, I don't know. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, yeah, you're, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. Um, let me find it. Oh, there it is. It's the <laughs> it's the next biggest podcast idol survivor. It's quite a mouthful, but it's really cool. It's a contest to make the next great Harry Potter podcast. That's what we're trying to do here. Uh, the competition will start on July twentieth, or no, the the competition will end on July twentieth when the winners will get a chance to podcast live from Ascatraz during the podcast Palooza. That's the thing that we did at Portis last year. Um, so all the details are online. Go to MuggleCast.com, and the details are there on the front page in the news. Um, basically you're going to be auditioning. You're going to convince us why you're a great podcaster. And then, uh, we'll pick the best five people to make the new podcast. And then the winner, as I said, um, they'll be a part of the podcast Palooza altogether. I think I'm going to help moderate the panel. And then also, um, you guys are going to win a free year of podcast hosting to help get your podcast off the ground. Cause that's really the only thing you got to pay for. Um, and MuggleCast is going to cover that for you um, with Lipson podcast hosting. So that it's it's a cool contest, and people who have always wanted to try doing a podcast will have some help from us now, and you'll get to do your own live show. And you know, not many podcasts have the chance to do their own live show. Mm-hmm. Um, a quick thing that HPF did want me to address here: you know, if any, uh, you you have to be 
a uh, registered for Askatras or at least Monday, which is the podcast Palooza, to be eligible. Um, so that way you can actually be at the live podcast if you're, you know, if we choose you to be a part of the next podcast, a part of the podcast. So for more information, go to mugglecast.com and you'll see um, a post there. And speaking of that, coming very soon, and we don't have it up yet because we're just making a couple little tweaks still, but after that we'll be done. There's a brand new website design coming from MuggleCast.com, and it's been a long time coming. Uh, I don't think we've had an update in uh, a site refresh in close to like a year and a half to two years now. It's been about two two years. years, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, This new one's really nice. And we can't wait to share it with you guys, but we're just making a couple last-minute tweaks. And check for it in the next few days. It'll be out on the site sometime this week, Sunday night at the earliest. Um, uh, if not then, then Monday or Tuesday, definitely. Hoping all goes well. So check that out, MuggleCast.com. And speaking of the site, too, Micah, you got a transcript update? Oh, yeah. These are always fun. But uh, there are a lot of people that are working hard for us and... Uh, it just hired, I hate, this is going to sound crazy, but over 30 people uh, to work oh uh, on the transcripts. And uh, they're uh, they're pumping it out, though. They're, they're doing a good job. And uh, they're really <laughs> eager. And Give the transcripts. They're pumping it out. The transcribers. They are. They are pumping right. it out. And uh, we're up to about episode 150 now, hopefully, <laughs> by the time this show gets out. So, hey, don't laugh. It's, th- these people work hard, Laura. No, you should I'm, not be uh, mocking I'm them. not laughing at them. I'm laughing at your word choice. Oh, what? Anyway. Pumping it out? I yes. guess that's what you do. You pumping know. it out. I, I, I just can't believe 30 people are writing down what six or seven of us are saying. That's They must hate us. They, they do. must hate us. And <laughs> no, I did it for almost two years. Yeah, I hated you guys. Aww. But you love no us now. No offense. I love you now. Oh, I don't have to transcribe what I'm saying right now. So I. So you can be as verbose as you want. Uh, well, thank you, everyone, for your help with that. Uh, we really do appreciate it. Let's move on to uh, Muggle Mail now this week. Uh, Laura, you want to take the first one? Oh, sure. Why not? It's all about the movies this week. Yeah. Everyone, Everyone's talking about the movies. All right, um, the first one comes from Rachel16 of Massachusetts. She writes, First, I love the show, and I always enjoy listening to your thoughts and ideas. I'm writing because on the past two shows, you mentioned that movies from the 70s and 80s received questionable PG ratings, like Jaws. Recently, I was watching the Indiana Jones documentary that came with the DVD trilogy set, which shed some light on the PG-13 rating. At the time, there were only G, PG, and R ratings. When George Lucas and Steven Spielberg made Temple of Doom, it almost received an R rating because of the scary scenes including cult practices. Steven Spielberg petitioned his friends at the MPAA to give it a PG rating and simultaneously suggested a PG-13 rating for future films, hence the beginning of the PG-13 rating. Yeah, so that's why Jaws wasn't rated PG-13, because there was no PG-13 rating when it came out. Yeah. And speaking of that, um, a lot of, not a lot, a few uh, MuggleCast listeners suggested that we watch This Film Is Not Yet Rated. It's a documentary on the MPAA, and Matt and I watched it mm-hmm. uh, a little over a week ago, and it's amazing. It I is mean, really good. It, well, yeah, the documentary is okay, but it reveals yeah. a lot of information about the MPA, MPAA that's amazing. I mean, these guys, basically, it's this group of parents that aren't 
revealed. You, they The MPA does not reveal their identities. They keep them really secret. This documentary tries to track them down. They're like spying out in front of the MPAA, which is located in California. <laughs> it's really good. And they end up finding out that these people who are raiders shouldn't even be raiders because they don't fit the MPAA's guidelines anymore. They're like really, um, they're too old. Their kids are too old. Um, so it's kind of ridiculous. And yeah, it's, pretty, it's pretty. The fact that they leave ratings up to you know, six or seven raiders, parents, is ridiculous. Parents who are adults who are, what, in their 20s and 30s, even. Yeah. Who have kids who are in their 20s. I was going to say, that's that's, if that's not parenting material, I don't know what is, but... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And um, there's something else I was going to say. Oh, they they did a lot of comparing, like, films that should have gotten ratings... Um, like say one film got a PG thirteen, but the other film that was just like it got in an R, and you know because of certain stereotypes, you know homosexuality and such. So you know it's very biased rating going on, and it'd be interesting to see why Harry Potter was rated PG. Hey, who knows? Maybe it really does deserve PG, but yeah. MPA is corrupted. And That's they what come up with what the rating is going to be, and they tell the people. Who make the movie before they have the chance to edit it? For instance, I mean, what this what this yeah. voice Miller said, you know, or what this Michael Miller said uh, regarding you know Steven Spielberg, he he didn't want it to get an R rating, and at that point, you know, it obviously wasn't PG thirteen wasn't a, an option, but he was able to say, wait a minute, okay, we'll either cut these certain scenes that you find offensive, or you know, he didn't say that, but they can do that now. Um, they can shake right. it for a rating because the theory being that PG-13 now is the most widely accepted adult sort of teenage area, I guess. You know, G, there's G and there's PG, but PG-13 is what a lot of people are aiming for, mm-hmm. I guess. I don't Yeah. I'm writing for R. <laughs> Nick, you want to take the next email? We have a message from Katie, who's 18, from London. She writes, Hey MuggleCast, I'm Katie and I'm a film student from London, England. I was just commenting on the rating for the new Harry Potter flick. The American certificate is PG, whilst the UK is 12A. I recently attended a BBFC lecture and workshop in which they told us how they decide ratings. Sometimes after controversy about the ratings, they have to rate a new blockbuster higher than it should be to get the press off their backs. In the UK, we recently had some controversy about the rating of The Dark Knight. Some parents felt it should have been a 15 and not a 12A. After they took their young children to go see the film, the kids had nightmares. So perhaps they are rating Harry Potter higher than they normally would to show that they are very strict about ratings and not lax. I love the show, Katie. Now, Nick, it it hasn't received that rating, right? That was just the trailers. I think Katie... Yeah, it was only the trailers that's 12A. It doesn't usually get rated for a couple of months before release in the UK. But it's definitely suggestive. Um, yeah, definitely, huh. definitely. That's interesting. It's interesting what she says because um, the BBFC have currently put a survey on their website to for users to judge what judge certain films that have recently been released and and comment on whether the ratings were correct. So it seems huh. they're overhauling their um, system and criteria at the yeah. moment. So it should be interesting to see what it gets rated. Well, I, I was also in that documentary. Apparently, the MPAA is only is the only rating. Um, group in the world that keeps their raiders confidential, um, which is also kind of strange. So it looks like the BBFC knows what they're doing, and they're they're working with the people rather than being all weird and secret. Yeah, I have to see that documentary. That just so. that just really bothers me now. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's funny and it's it's <laughs> short. So it's, it's it's good stuff. It's it's funny watching them spy on these people driving out of the MPAA. It was pretty good. <laughs> um, and Matt, you want to take the last email? Um, sure. Our next email comes from Jared, 23, of Alabama. And Jared writes, I do not wish to sound overly cynical. However, I feel that Warner Brothers should just stop making these trailers for one reason. Trailers are supposed to inspire fans and even those who are not to view the film, but I feel with the release of this Japanese trailer that WB is not inspiring people, but rather disheartening them. I agree that the editing of this most recent trailer was indeed shappy and shows a blatant lackadaisical attempt to prompt visual excitement of the film. I, for one, feel disheartened by this attempt and am left to wonder about WB's true feelings towards the movie series. WB continuously states that they basically believe in the series and wish to make them as close to the books as possible. Is this for our, our, our sakes or theirs? WB has witnessed the public outcry of a badly done film based on a popular series with Aragon, and I fear that this latest attempt shows that WB is just in it for the money and remains <laughs> remain hypocrites for denying otherwise. Uh, left it out. Okay, you stop right at the end. At the end. <laughs> Thank you. Go, go Q's. Q's. And no, I didn't put wow. that in there. So <laughs> thanks, go, Andrew. Go Q's. Whoopee. Um, how much of this? I gotta I gotta ask you guys um, because I wasn't there with the Japanese trailer. What? Even though I've seen it, what did you? How much of this is is actually what you guys said about the the editing being chappy and stuff? Because I want to know how much is his original idea and how much is you guys uh, what you said. Well, as we discussed during the show, it wasn't really a trailer. It was a sneak peek. It was a bunch of clips. We kept calling it a trailer because it's easier to say it's a trailer instead of right. a group well, of they sneak go by peeks. Fast. A group of clips from Half Blood Prince. It's just easier to say trailer. As f- and and it sort of felt like a trailer. There were some titles. There was narration. So it yeah. sort of was. I but- would say it was more like a TV spot than a trailer. Yeah, we yeah, we TV really show. hit the editing hard in the last show, Eric. Yeah, it did I mean, stink though. It, yeah, it was. It, ba- was it wasn't yeah, an official is- double WB this- release though. I mean, if it was, it would have been released everywhere. It was no. only released in, in Japan. Exactly. This is and just something for the for, for extra. Yeah, it's a novelty for the Japanese fans. I don't think they expected it to go worldwide, did they? No, they didn't. And if they did, we would have been able to download it in high quality. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Jared is talking here about how WB is giving us this 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 crap and and disheartening. It. And you know, he says we uh, feel disheartened. And I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. This wasn't even your. This wasn't even for us. You know, we yeah, it wasn't we, even our country. We as the U.S. fans grabbed it once we found out it was playing in Japan, but it's not for us, and you know we shouldn't take it to take such a burden to be so upset about it. It's not ours, really. And 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 pretty much with all due respect, Jared, um, all the trailers have been amazing for Harry yeah. Potter. Not yeah, not one single one that I yeah, thought high was. Standard, um, right? That did not inspire me to go see the movie. That's the one thing I get upset with with the Harry Potter franchise is that the trailers are so effing amazing. And then you see the movie. And then you see the movie <laughs> and you're like, what? Yeah. I'm going to go see the trailer well, again. Yeah. If anything, the trailers are too good. Though? I would think that we have a listener or two in Japan. Why don't we have somebody send us in a little note what they felt about it, seeing it, if they saw it on TV or after the fact? Yeah. Yeah, it's a good idea. So all our Japanese fans go crazy. <laughs> and go cues. Of course. 
<laughs> well, that does it for Muggle Mail this week. Now we have a great interview, as I said at the beginning of the show, with Goblet of Fire film composer Patrick Doyle. Let's take it away. Yeah. Okay, so Matt and I are joined by one of England's most distinguished film composers, Patrick Doyle, who most Goblet of you know <laughs> as the composer of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Mr. Doyle, thank you very much for joining us today. It's my pleasure. Right off the bat, I wanted to ask you, um, you know, what brought you to Syracuse University in the middle of February? Um, wasn't there a, Could there have been another place that you could go that was a little bit warmer? Well, um, I have a long um, uh, association with uh, Syracuse through some very good friends I met, um, my family met in London, Jim O'Connor and Georgie O'Connor, and they have some great kids, and we've our kids have all grown up in different, obviously different ends of Atlantic together, but we've visited each other. Um, we've seen Niagara Falls um, with them and lots of surrounding areas. We went to Harriet Tubman's house. I'm very, very interested in history, especially American history. Um, so I love the city, um, and uh, it's, it, it reminds me very much, in a, it's a post-industrial town. It reminds me very much of Glasgow. I sort of get, get the vibe of the place. It's not glamorous, but I love the the, the realness here. I think it's terrific. Um, and uh, and Jim O'Connor has um, has recently, not recently, but for a few years now, is a is a, the major fundraiser, or one of the major fundraisers for the university. So um, and uh, we could talk to David Rizak here, and um, we we all got together and decided it would be nice if. Um, a twofold thing if I could come and maybe talk about the work I do uh, to um, students here at the university and also um, it'd be an opportunity again to interact with my friends and, and come to a place I've, I've come to really, really love. Yeah, I uh, I happen to agree with you. I went to uh, Syracuse for five years and glamorous is probably not the word I would use to describe uh, the weather around there, that's for sure. No, it's... Um, you know, it's, it's really about a place about the people. Uh, always, you, you can sit in the middle of. Some people can sit in the middle of uh, Malibu Beach and be utterly miserable. Whereas, if there's <laughs> a bunch of friends around, they're sitting on the edge of a, I don't know, a, a disused factory overlooking a lake, and they're having a few beers with their friends. That's the most important thing. So it doesn't matter where you are. You know, it's, it's the people and what the people are doing and what they're committed to, and what the ethos is. You know, in 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 the culture and the in the surrounding um, in the, in the you know, your own surroundings, um, the university itself is very impressive, especially the music building. And, um, it's also it's one of these wonderful things we don't have back home. The sort of self-contained, you know, mini town stroke university, um, and, and um, you know, it's a great honour to be asked to. To and it's a great privilege and honour and responsibility to to talk to students because um, you know I am by no means the oracle. I can only pass on my experiences in life and hopefully they can gain some experience and some preparation for uh, th- their own path in life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And you just mentioned uh, Krauss College. Uh, it's it shows up a lot of times on uh, television when different events are going on, but it's probably one of the most magnificent buildings I've ever seen. Yeah. Well, oh, really? it reminds me. I was just I was just saying the the building 
reminds me, the stonework reminds me of the stonework in Glasgow. It looks like a red sandstone. I haven't asked any ge you know, geologists in the area. But um, the, I mentioned Glasgow again because um, the building, is, the music building itself, isn't unlike the, the high Gothic um, Victorian structures we have. It sort of reminds me of, in a, in a way, it just reminds me of the, the art gallery in Glasgow. Um, it's got the same huge, enormous, um, confident, you know, architectural aspirations that, you know, a lot of those Victorian buildings did, you know, before the world crashed, you know, into the First World War and, you know, pre-Titanic and everything else. So it's got a wonderful, you know, incredibly kind of grand statue about it. You know, and the, the whole vibe of the place is great to walk under the corridors, corridors and hear a soprano and a string quartet and a wind group and an orchestra and a, a horn player just did all that. It certainly brings it all back to days when I was at the, the Royal Scottish Academy of Music in, in my time. Um, well, Patrick, we're just going to delve into a little bit about your profession. Um, you've mm -hmm. composed films such as uh, Gosford Park, Bridget mm -hmm. Jones's Diary, Sense yeah. and Sensibility. I mean, you've composed a lot of great films. And Well, um, I mean, I've been, sorry, carry on, carry on, sorry. Oh, sure. No, feel free. I mean, I, yeah, well, I've been very, very lucky, and I'm very lucky, and uh, that I've that I've been asked to do some some very high profile and and um and really really um artistically successful and commercially successful films mm -hmm. um, i'm very very fortunate that um and you know many of them are, are sort of regular you know annual events or whatever are buying, but they're, they're on tv all the time and um Carlitos Way, for example is a each generation that comes along especially amongst the guys uh -huh. it, it, it's a classic that has become a cult classic, um, you know, and uh, that, I mean, and all the works of Ken Branagh um, and the works of um, Regis Vanier, a very close friend of mine, mm -hmm. uh, another close friend of mine, you know, I'll be doing a picture for Regis later on in the year. He starts um, work very soon on that, it's a comedy. Um, oh. And, you know, so I'm very, very fortunate that these are, really classy, top-rate filmmakers who only embark on a project, you know, with the best possible story, scenario already. Um, they've got a great commitment. They're immensely committed, indeed I am. And uh, I'm very fortunate that um, not only have they produced quality films, that I've been part of it. You know, Alfonso Cuaron's another one, A Little Princess, Great Expectations. Mm -hmm. I see to my delight that Kanye West has just taken one of my tracks from, from Great Expectations, and it's now part of his new album, 808 and Heartbreak. So um, I've now got major cult status in my own house. <laughs> 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 I'm Mr. Cool. My son couldn't believe it. See, I cannot believe it. Both my sons couldn't believe it. Because one of my sons is right into um, techno. Um, he's a DJ. There's a lot of DJ. He's really, really good. He has, he's a huge fan of, uh, of a Dead Mouse. Um, so he's really, really, um, but, but he leapt out of his bed, couldn't believe it. You're joking, Kanye West, oh my God, Dad. <laughs> so that's the wonderful thing about music, you know, you get your chance to shine over and over again. So listen, guys, I have no complaints, I'm very fortunate.
Well, that's great. Oh, 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 if I'll stop tomorrow, I've done plenty. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what, when when you're approached to do like a score, I mean, how? What is your process? How how long does it take you to do this uh, the, the, this whole scoring thing? Well, Robert Alban approached me five weeks before he needed the score, and um, I mulled over it. But in, but in real terms, I wrote the picture for Gosford Park in two and a half weeks. Oh my god! And it, it, it was, it, in fact, it was less than that. It was three days on, on a piano piece. I spent well three days on a piano piece, and then nine days nine working days on the score. Wow. So that's 12 working days spread over. Did, did, did it take you about nine working days for Goblet of Fire? No. Maybe, give or take a day? I took it a year's work. That was a year's work on and off. Um, although the actual bulk of the score probably took about two months. Um, but, but I spent a year on it to come up with themes and working with the director. So each project's different. With Ken Branagh, I used to come in at the script stage very early, discuss ideas. So it varies from film to film. Mm-hmm. And I usually visit the set once they want to film, if I can, and visit the set and see them filming. So it, sometimes I can set the script. And I, in fact, this is something I'm going to talk to David about. I want to do an experiment, but I'm actually going to write a cue in front of the students if I can. Oh, cool. And we'll make up our own scenario. Because you really don't have to, you don't have, one shouldn't need a picture, mm-hmm. a physical picture to look at. As long as you get the story, you can use your own imagination, which is far more powerful than any movie can than can project to you. So that's something that I'm hopefully going to try and do here. Um, so anyway, each film varies. Sometimes it's before the script's sent to me, so it changes. Mm-hmm. Now, now, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Micah. I was just going to ask, with Goblet of Fire in particular, did you read the book to get some ideas, or was it all going to visit the set during filming? Oh, no, I read the book. I read the book and also obviously read the script, and uh, and had a long discussion with the director. I saw early designs of all the costumes, of all the sets. I visited the sets and all the models, so I was very, very involved in that film all the way through. Mm-hmm. Did... um. Were there any scores that were were particularly difficult to to come up with any themes or anything? That was particularly- well, each score. Well, it's all difficult. Each score is very mm-hmm. difficult. But I've learned to I've learned to just relax a bit and just just soak up as much as possible rather than jump in too early. Just mm-hmm. soak up the script. Soak all the conversations that come from the director and and all the heads of department. If I got an opportunity to talk to them, not every time, but just let it soak in and just not to panic. Just right. to relax because, you know, in your early days you panic, but you learn through experience that something comes up, something twigs, and, you know, I always, when I sit down, I, I go into work every day at the same time. Uh, I, by 8.30 I'm down to work, and I don't stop till 6 at night. So mm-hmm. um, I go in and make sure I'm inspired before I get, come home. <laughs> 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 That's the job. Mm-hmm. Are are there any um like scores that that you have to leave out when you're scoring a film that you feel bad? Any, any scores, sorry? That any scores that are left out in the process that never make it into the film? Um, that's only ever happened to me once. Um, but it, I think every composer happens once in their, their life. Um, I don't think anyone's has ever escaped it. But uh, I've had a 99, I've had, you know, out of 45 pictures, it's only happened to me once. Oh, okay. Um, so it's, it's, um, it's uh, I mean, that's 
I think that's pretty remarkable, really, considering, you know, that's you're working and plunged together with people you've never worked before. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a pressurized situation, there's time factors, the, it, it, the film gets changed a lot, um, you're dealing with um, lots of people's opinions. It's very much a collaborative process, so mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm rather proud that I've managed to um, hang on in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What feelings go through you when you hear your score um, with the finished film and you actually go to the theater and sit down and watch? Well, you know, by by the time I get to the theater, I've had all my thrills. I've heard my thrills when I first hear the music being played and getting it right to the picture, the director's reaction to it and the demo process. Mm-hmm. So by the time the movie comes along, I've really moved on. It's just, I enjoy it, but there's that wonderful thrill kick you know, has happened earlier. Yes, it's really enjoyable to sit with an audience and see their reaction to it. And it's, but by then I'm slightly removed from it because I've had all the, the thrill, the fun, and everything else writing and 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 you know experiencing it with these people earlier. So, I mean, I still enjoy obviously going to see. The, I tell you what, it's interesting. I get I get a thrill many years later if I happen to walk past the television, and up up comes a. Of oh, the channel, and there's the movie. Mm-hmm. I get a, I get an extra search then because I've forgotten. I think, oh my god, yes, that's not bad. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, that's mine. <laughs> that was that wasn't bad. Uh, so that can hit me. On, I mean, but I never. I probably listen to my music maybe to learn some things for a week or so after I've written it. But then I never listen to music again. So I'm always shocked when I hear it years later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that, that does seem to th- be um, a trend with with a lot of artists. Once they once they compose or or do a film or something that they move on afterwards. They move on, yeah. They move on. You have to move on. Mm-hmm. I mean, you live it. You live. You, you, li- you listen to it for a week or so afterwards. Mm, I'll do that again. If I was do I do that. I would do that differently if I was doing it again or whatever. You learn from each one. Mm-hmm. Um, Patrick. Recently, a lot of your films have um, been in the um, the fantasy genre, like with Aragon. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. is 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 that your like your preference genre, or do you have a certain preference to score? I I don't mind what I score um, as long as it's something I absolutely enjoy. Um, with regards to fantasy movies, it just so happens that um, um, I've done Frankenstein, I've done science fiction, I suppose. Um, I suppose Harry Potter, you know, the people can see what you can do. I mean, you get a big sort of action fantasy movie, but I mean, Into the West, although it was a small indie picture, mm-hmm. it, was, it was full of magic and fantasy. Little Princess was a fantastic, in the sense, oh, in the yes. sense of the word, tale. Um, so, but no, I just, it just, it just, I think it's coincidence. I mean, I certainly, I love to read science fiction. I love fantasy um, stories. Because mm-hmm. um, I love opera. Opera is fa- is real fantastic story mm-hmm. story writing. So I mean, I, I do all that. So it's it's something I, that I, it crosses over very easily into film. Mm-hmm. So 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 you do read a lot of um, science fiction, fantasy. Have have you read all of that the Harry Potter novels or just uh, that the one Goblet of Fire? No, I've I've read two or three of them. I have read them all. Oh, okay. Um, but the kids have read them all. The kids have, but um, you know, I read. I remember a, a, a book about. I used to read Asimov when I was younger, um, and uh, C.S. Lewis. And uh, but 
and Neil Mervyn Pete Trilogy mm-hmm. um, and, and funny, funny enough um, Lord of the Rings I only ever I read The Hobbit and I read the first Lord of the Rings and I thought The Lord of the Rings was a big Hobbit that's what happened to me I, I've actually read The Hobbit the first time and then it just seemed like it was just one big novel yeah I just thought The, the Hobbit something up for me you know um, but listen Charles I have to go now because mm-hmm. I'm on to the next schedule is there anything you would really particularly like to ask me before I go um, Micah yeah just really quickly um, how you got involved with Goblet of Fire we know that you have a close relationship with Mike Newell uh-huh. um, is, is that how it all came about I think I think so, and um, John Williams, is, um, I believe, wasn't available. Um, he was working on something else. So, um, and uh, you know, Mike was you know, um, when he asked me, he said, yeah, "I'm not sure." He said about working with another composer's theme. I said, "Well, let's have a look at it because um, I saw there was a, there was a huge opportunity for a composer to make his or her mark because of the introduction of new characters or the emphasis on established characters." Um, in the end, I think I only used about 20 seconds worth of John's music um, for the very right reasons that it opened and closed the picture, and that's the kind of, you know, the kind of signature tune of one of the, the characters. And it was a great honour to to follow his footsteps. Apart from anything else, there's a great tradition in music, especially one of the classical music, of actually using other people's themes. It's a very honourable and long tradition. Mm-hmm. So um, I think to be precious about it is to be silly. Uh, and there was no way I could turn it down because my kids would kill me. Right. <laughs> um, okay, Patrick, if, if we could just <laughs> if we could just ask you one more quick question about uh, the Goblet of Fire before we let you go. Um, sure. About the uh, the Yule Ball, which is everybody on the show is, is, is their favorite theme is the Yule Ball in the Goblet of Fire film. Um, right. It, it, was that your favorite film to compose, or I mean, how, how did you go about the- like that? The Harry Potter waltz, you mean? Yeah, uh, the the Potter waltz, Neville's waltz, the the entire Yule ball, the entire ball scene in the film. Well, the, the the Harry Potter theme I wrote during a meeting with the director, believe it or not, the Harry Potter's waltz. Uh-huh. The other one I improvised with the ballad with Wayne McGregor. I improvised the whole tune, believe mm-hmm. it or not. And and I said, I'll write something else. He goes, No, that's fine. <laughs> I improvise with the dancers. He goes, I said, you like this? He goes, yeah, we love it. Okay, well, keep it. (laughs) So that's the true story. That's the true story. Uh, All right. Well, thank you so much, Patrick Doyle. Um, It was really great. My pleasure. It's it's my real pleasure. Okay. Okay. Well, you have you you. have fun hosting a film screening. There are going to be so many people there wanting to ask you so many questions. Oh well, I'm looking forward to it very much. Okay. We Thank you. Okay. Cheers, guys. Bye. Cheers. Bye. 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 All right. There you have it. Matt and Mike, a great job. Um, as 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 you guys know, it was, it was a very last minute interview. It sort of came out of nowhere, but you guys pulled it off. Yep. Did great. Yeah, great job, it was guys. Very last minute. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I I was nervous. I I because you know because <laughs> Matt had to record and I was afraid he may screw something. Oh, he up. did a good job. Yeah. He, he took care of it. Yeah. I, I I am very proud of myself. And honestly, <laughs> I, w- I was scared for myself too. I, I really thought I was going to mess it up. Yeah. Well, thanks again to Syracuse University and David Rezac, who is the head of their um, music program up there, who was. Kind enough to orchestrate, no pun intended, the uh, <laughs> interview process. Yo, you went there. You, you should have done that with, with, with mm-hmm. Patrick. I did go there. I don't know how, but anyway. Yeah, well, it, it, we, we, we were laughing enough during the interview. 
It, it was good. It's all good. Moving along, we have some other interesting information to talk about today. Uh, recently, the Harry Potter lexicon was released on store shelves. What do you know? And as everyone remembers, uh, we did a lengthy episode about the trial, and a lot of people enjoyed it because they thought we were very fair to both sides, and we broke it down uh, how it should be broken down. And uh, just in general, everyone really liked the episode. Now, Eric has a unique angle on this because he uh, recently picked up the book and also went to a book signing of Steve's. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, Steve is on tour at the moment, actually, you know, just visiting several local uh, bookstores and... uh, you know, with with uh, with the lexicon. Actually, I went to. It was Steve and also fellow author. Uh, there are four people who wrote in the end uh, this uh, book version of the lexicon. Uh, John Kearns was also there uh, at the time, and this was at mm-hmm. the uh, the Magic Tree in Oak Park, Illinois, where Mugnet had their book seven and book five release. Mm-hmm. Now, um, you 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 saw him and met him, right? Yes, yes, I did. Yeah. Now, when when you saw him, did did you start? Did this start playing in your head? And in this corner, looking at a day over twelve years old, breaking down at the podium, Stephen Bendrock. That play through your head? Did you have like a flashback? I'm pretty sure that that is always on a loop playing in my head somewhere. <laughs> ever since you did do that, um, I see. That's because he never stops playing but, it. No. No, I actually, that, that did not particularly go through my head. Actually, Roger Rappaport was also there uh, in the bookstore. He was, he's the owner of RDR Books. Yes. He, yes. He, he was there as well, which was very interesting. But they actually did a, a trivia, trivia night, trivia sort of contest. There were uh, mm. a few people uh, who showed up. They did, they did trivia. And uh, my team won. Yay. Go, uh, what were we, Kristen? What was our team? The Flobberworms. Go Flobberworms. So, Eric, I was in Barnes & Noble last night, and I saw, um, you know, the lexicon. It was there. There was, um, it was there. It was on sale. And I Twittered it, and I was like, hmm, this looks interesting. And, you know, to get some people, you know, responding and on Twitter. And a lot of people were surprised that it's actually out. Um and I guess the fan sites didn't really post that it ended up coming out, but it did, and like, like a month ago, right? Yeah, January sixteenth, I think Amazon says. So it will be a month. Yeah, uh, I think the day this airs or something. Yeah. Now, what about the book itself? I've I've paged through it, but you you read the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, uh, let's do a let's do a little timeline here. Um, in keeping with because a lot of people are confused. A lot of people didn't know it, it came out. Um, what happened was you guys remember the court case. Um, and uh, a few months later, the judge came out with a verdict. Well, in that verdict, he actually took the manuscript of what at that time was the Harry Potter lexicon and went through it, basically page by page, and noted uh, and decided for himself and for the law what was and wasn't uh, compliant with uh, the fair use doctrine and what, what could and couldn't be basically used. And so what happened was he, he, he returned that manuscript to RDR um, and Steve Vanderart took it and basically spent the next m- 
few months, um, basically taking the lexicon and cutting and adding everything that was requested of him from the judge. And so what this is, actually, the book that is on the shelves, is an approved legal version of the Harry Potter lexicon, believe it or not. Uh, they took, um, he added a lot more commentary. Steve said he basically rewrote the entire thing. Um, they added lots of commentary and took out, um, for instance, I know they took out things from the Quidditch Through the Ages and Fantastic Beasts Where to Find Them. Um, because a lot of that, um, the, Steve explained it pretty well with uh, taking it out of the books, you can paraphrase, but if you take something uh, from what is already in encyclopedia format and put it in encyclopedia format, it's kind of, it's, 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 that's a, that's a direct copy. It's a lot. I mean, that's, Uh, that's, that's, that's where you get into the really illegal stuff because you're not able to produce anything new as, as you would by, by, by sort of translating. So all that's gone. Uh, and they, they cut, um, cut a lot of other stuff and, 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 and basically just reworked the book. And now, so, what happened was um, JKR uh, issued a press release um, from I believe it was through her through her publisher um, and they said yeah. you know we are aware that this new book is is going on uh, we appreciate uh, the effort that and and that uh, that everything was resolved with the court case so basically the book is now out and it's selling and Steve is going on these uh, meeting in several bookstores um, I know he's been in Michigan and Chicago so far I don't know where he's going but uh, they're holding trivia and all the trivia is from uh, this book and uh, basically doing some some signings and stuff which is you know really interesting really just gathering on a small scale um, just you know the knowledge and, and everywhere he goes he's telling people you know Yes, this is legal. That's the first thing he explains. Nice. Now, um, I, I looked through it, so it's sort of laid out like each page has two columns, and then it, it's basically still an encyclopedia. Yeah. Um, and they, each thing's got like a couple sentences, explanation, each term or name of a person, such and such. Yeah. Yeah, it's in alphabetical order. Um, um, it's pretty lengthy, too. What is it, like 380 pages yeah. or something like that? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's a doozy. It's a doozy. It's really, but... I mean, when you think about it, this is, I mean, Steve's been working on it for, what, 10 years now, but um, it's a complete compendium of all the terms and creative usages of J.K. Rowling in, in the Harry, or that appear in the Harry Potter series and in all extremities of that. Right. Well, it certainly seems like a good thing, a good way for you to, you know, if you need to if I, and I was reading reviews on Amazon too. People have been reviewing it favorably. If you do need a quick reference, you can sort of just pick it up and you know in that uh, go to you know B and find information about birdie bots or whatever you need. Yeah. So well, that's what's cool. The, uh, Eric, what's the upside to doing that as opposed to doing it online? That's interesting. It's a good question. Um, personally, the and and, and the, the setbacks are there's no search feature. Um, so for instance, I was, I was <laughs> well, reading, <honestly. laughs> um, something the other day and I needed to figure out where I had read that in the book. And so I went online to find it, but the, honestly, Micah, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't use the website, the Harry Potter lexicon website. I have used maybe five times, um, when I need to search for stuff. It's true. I know a, a lot of people, 
I know a lot of people use it plenty more times than me. But now that I have this book, and this book, like I said, it just made me feel so in awe of J.K. Rowling's works because of all of the different entries that you know Steve and the other three authors have just compounded and, and figured out all the stuff they can about them. Uh, having the book is 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 an experience all to itself that I don't think uh, viewing online uh, can can give anyone. Uh, plus, you know, websites go down, and so <laughs> oh in case God. the lexicon ever goes down, you have this book. You have there. I, I mean, I mean. It, By the way, I, Eric I is getting paid. Eric is getting paid five hundred dollars for positively talking about this. I wish I were, but I'm happy to say that I'm doing this by my own will. I mean, honestly, I li- I love this book. It's it's really good. I'm glad that it came out. But that it's legal, wh- most of all. What but kind I'm of person would out. use a companion book? I mean, other than like a person who has like a Harry Potter website well, that needs a quick reference. I I think people would use companion books for like like reports. What are you and talking things? about? Most of the fans in the world have companion books. That well, they most buy. of the fans of Harry Potter have read the series a billion times. But yet they still, still haven't quick, read this. Yeah, Matt, you're just arguing for arguing's sake. Uh, it, yeah, you, you need to check a quick fact. For example, if I had the Lexicon book, I would definitely use it if we were recording MuggleCast, and I needed to, to check up on a fact of something we were talking about. But definitely, this book also. I mean, this book lays down what is. Not only canon, but like properties of spells and how that stuff works. You you don't get that without having to find it in the story, otherwise. And right, well, what does it offer that's different from the website? Anything? I, I hands a hands on sort of thing. Well, I mean, <laughs> is there any content in there that you can't find on the website? Yeah, um, yeah, there is the comment. Uh, the comments, most importantly, because uh, a lot of stuff that can be done online can't be done in book and vice versa so there is a lot of commentary going on um okay a lot of sort of explanations that that don't appear on the site that i've noticed so what's everyone Uh, think about this now in hindsight of the court case i mean you know it's it's been a long time coming it was almost about it we're almost coming up to the year anniversary of when that court trial was um it's kind of i guess everyone's sort of over it (laughs) i think at this point (laughs) yeah i mean this this was a big deal this this split across the fandom. I mean, for for a solid for a solid block of time, you couldn't walk down Fifth Avenue in New York City in Harry Potter robes without yeah. getting mugged. I mean, it was pretty freaking dangerous. Um, out. There. I must say, I I had to go in about four bookstores before I actually found a copy, and I, not because they're they're you know stores aren't selling them. Cause, I mean, I was going into Borders and Barnes and Noble stores, but because they were actually like sold out. Because I would go, we would ask people. And honestly, like, I hate asking for Harry Potter books. It's just, I guess I'm insecure. So, so I have Matt do it. And then they're like, oh, yeah, well, we had one copy left, but it sold out or whatever. So, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but, yeah, so I, I think yeah. it's, it, it sort of looks like it's been selling well. I mean, mm-hmm. it doesn't look like it's going to be breaking any records, but, you know, right. whatever. That, that was a question I had for Eric, though, was do you think that the – negative press that it received from the trial is going to have a an impact on its sales overall. I don't think um, so. This is this is I, I I don't I don't think so. I think it's going to be interesting, but it's made clear uh, I think even on the the spine of the book or in the foreword exactly what has happened post uh, court case and the book was completely revamped after the court case, so this is 
sort of a, it distances itself from that publication that was contested in court. Okay. I'm reading an article um, that said it had 30,000 pre-orders too, so that's not bad before it came out. Well, Jeez. I mean, it can have the opposite effect too. Bad press doesn't always lead to oh, lower sales. Oh, any press it is could... good press. <laughs> yeah. I, when, when I write a book, I'm going to no, cause I... controversy first to make sure it to make sure everyone knows about it. Well, actually, and looking back too, um, something that Steve looks looks uh, looks at, he you know he said uh, before this court case, and I know what we did on MuggleCast, which was an excellent episode of MuggleCast, where we took the fair use doctrine and disassembled and broke it down just like they were doing in court to try and figure out you know how we felt about it. And uh, what Steve said is basically this um, court case. Although it was very emotional for himself and for everyone in the fandom, uh, it can now be used as a reference point for fair use doctrine and copyright law. This was something that, that had not happened before, and in that respect, now if someone else wants to do a compendium, they know exactly where the line is driven. Um, because we were seeing how it was kind of vague the uh, the fair use doctrine and this court case, if anything, has now eliminated that that vagueness. That was that was, I think, a positive that Steve was looking looking at when when I asked him. All right. Well, thank you, Eric, for that report. And um, your check is in the mail. <laughs> it's honestly, guys, it's a good book. I mean, I can't imagine how much time it must have taken to compile all of this. It's just unbelievable, and and for and JKR to write it, and I, this this takes genius to even assemble something like this, something as massive as J.K. Rowling's world, uh, for him to be able to keep it all in order and provide this is, and for the other authors too, this is, I love it. I'm very happy that I bought the book, and uh, I kind of want to. I think on I the website wanna... to answer. Sorry, sorry, I, Matt. I was just saying, I kind of want to see um. What J.K. Rowling's encyclopedia is going to look like compared to this? I don't think it'll be the same as the thing, and I never did. When we I were... think Steve will take her to court for infringing on his book. That'd be a cool twist. <laughs> Let's move on now to uh, favorites this week. It's Valentine's Day edition okay. because um, uh, this love is val- in the air because this week is Valentine's Day week. Um, uh, we're gonna play a person you'd like to date in the favorite person you'd like to date in the Potter series, and why. Now, you know if you if you had to date somebody in the in the Harry Potter series, who who would it be? Because you know if if you were at Hogwarts, who would you be going after? And I want to start with Micah because I feel like he <laughs> he's, he's been attached. because why? Well, no, because you 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 love the books and you. Um, are very vocal about your love for characters on the show sometimes. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I would... Hmm. I like... Uh, well, later on in the series, <laughs> uh, there's there's this interesting thing about um, Lavender Brown. She's kind of uh, interesting. The way... Uh, she's a little promiscuous. Um, the way she not that that's a good quality to look for. <laughs> The way she looks what is- at you and the way she says hi when she's walking down the hall of the grave. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> Sorry, who did you uh, say? I got lost in your in your voice. 
Who, Matt's voice? No, you, yours. <laughs> oh, my voice. Baby. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be so good to you. Who'd you say? No, Matt, stop. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Who'd you say, Micah? <laughs> I, I said Lavender Brown. Oh, of course. Later on in the series. Do um, you find her attractive? I find Jesse Cave attractive. <laughs> okay. Micah's into crazy yeah. people. Why? Why is she crazy? You mean the actress or she the character? She calls him Wan No, the character. Oh, okay. In the book, she calls him Wan for crying out loud. What would she call you? Waika Waika? My my. <laughs> <laughs> tanny Tanny. Um. Okay. Well, thank you, Micah. That's... Do you really want that, Micah? Do you, re- do you really want that? I think... Well, I... <laughs> he wants it bad. Snogging in corridors. <laughs> hey... Whatever works. I mean, That's who true. else is there? It's, uh, I mean, you could the easy one out is Floor. Um, but oh, jeez, she naked. only comes around once every couple of years. Yeah. Um, or not at all. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Nick, how about you? Um, this is really tricky, and it took me ages. I th- it honestly, I'd probably end up with a Hermione type. Just because she's sensible and intelligent Ooh. and brave, she's determined. Does this have anything to do with Emma Watson? Maybe <laughs> it, it it helps, <laughs> but no, I, I think even if it were, Emma Watson wasn't playing her, um, they're the qualities I would go for, not just for looks. So for uh-huh. would wouldn't be, of course. You know who'd be really great though, Luna. Because you could, if Luna. you ever forgot her birthday, you could pretend you brought her a present and that it was stolen by Nargles. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> he's thinking ahead. He's he's thinking to wooing and stuff. That's, he goes for the whole picture. Yeah, yeah. I've got it. Somebody, somebody on Twitter chose Luna too, and we'll we'll get to we'll get to that in a minute. Um, Eric, how about you? I would, uh, I would have to say Tonks. Actually, I would choose Tonks yeah. today. She is quite sexy. She's sexy. She's got the pink hair, and she's also really low maintenance. I mean, she would never ask you, "Do these pants make my butt look big?" Because <laughs> she could just change that. Ah, yes, you know? she, she could change a lot of things. She, yeah, she'd change a lot of things. So, so that'd be that'd be pretty cool. Well, um, she would maybe you know? good. She would probably be good then for a, a abusive husband who may not, you know, who may be very. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Just very ne- uh, needy or or. or once, once his his wife or love interest to be perfect physically. <laughs> Are you telling me an abusive husband? No, I'm saying Tonks could oh. appeal. Tonks could be, you know. Yes, that's exactly yeah. what he's saying. <laughs> and she could also be quite the uh, dominatrix. <laughs> yes. Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> wow! Jeez. This is this is turning into quite the segment. <laughs> While we're at it, um, Rita Skeeter. Uh, I figured I'd throw her out there at least in the movies. Oh yeah. <laughs> I. I Alone in the closet with with her and her quill. <laughs> I, I, I just I just get nightmares. I don't want to go that far, ouch. but I think I get nightmares, Micah. I'm not seeing it. I'm, I'm not seeing the skeeter skeeter bug. Matt, how about you? Awkward guy. Yeah, Matt, how about you? If I had to pick, it would probably be McGonagall. Yeah, you know what? Maybe she's got a few rings on her mouth, but um... oh god, oh god. <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> um, I you know 
I would meaning say, she's old. Yeah, meaning she's old because you know the tree <laughs> count the rings. Yeah. Um, I'm coughing up hairballs. I would choose Katie Bell. Oh, why? that's so nice. Yeah, that's why. I, that's why I would choose her because she's really nice and sweet, and she she plays Quidditch, so you know she's fit. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, she had that little mishap in Half Blood Prince, but I, she seems to be very nice in the in the films, and that's what I really like the most is um, people who are sweet and nice and very loyal to their friends. Yeah, I, I um, personally, I like the Tonks choice. That was a good idea, Eric. Um, I I think I either either her or I don't know. There's just something about Umbridge that. <laughs> The, the commanding always being no that's um, a dominatrix yeah, total oh, dominatrix you know just always being in control I really I really like that oh yeah she <laughs> would be in control I just really Actually, like there's something where's in the, Laura the we need we need some <laughs> we need some estrogen in here yeah yeah, we do. No, uh, guys, yeah. there's something in the lexicon about centaurs and uh, centaurs in Greek mythology they mate with human women. And so the uh, the Harry Potter when went at the end of book five when Dolores gets oh, carried no. off into the forest. <laughs> it's a bit <laughs> ambiguous. <laughs> nice. I never knew that before, so that was a nice tie-in. That was nice. Where's Laura? Oh yeah, we we lost Laura. Her internet died. Um. So oh. yeah. All right. Well, let's hear what some uh, Twitter people said our, our twitter question in the week who would you want to date in the harry potter books and uh, the first one from the rye guy he says hermione because my last girlfriend cheated on me with a dude named ron this would be my revenge <laughs> wow uh, i like that that's that's good uh, <laughs> oh yeah revenge on valentine's day that's awesome chris v says luna lovegood she never worries about anything and that's really special nowadays that's so true that's so true trisha chakshi Says Neville, he's smart, carry, f- caring, funny, and turns out to be confident and brave leader. His quiet dignity, his quiet dignity, sets him apart as well. That's nice. Princess Fox says, "I think young Tom Riddle would have been interesting to date. Could he ever have been able to connect with a person like that?" Ugh, I don't want to find I out. I don't think so. She likes dangerous. Didn't end guys. really good with him. Yeah, could you imagine Tom Riddle with a girl? It'd be so weird. We did have women. I mean, Maddie Za says, hmm, I'd probably say Hermione. Brains and beauty is always a great combination. I agree. I mean, that that's why I would pick Hermione. <laughs> um, the next one. No, really. Uh, oh, uh, Cammy1975 <laughs> says, is it bad if I say Cedric Diggory because he is Edward? Just saying. Yes. Oh, oh my Edward. Little Twilight reference there. <laughs> Alyssa Cullen says, I would date Sirius Black. I love his attitude and the way he carries himself with confidence. I know, I know Alyssa sh- would sure, for, for sure, would date either Sirius or Remus. She's big fans of both. Together. <laughs> together. Yeah. <laughs> only, only together. Double or nothing. <laughs> with Alyssa. Uh, uh, Kristen THS says, Hagrid, of course. He's lovable, compassionate, and oh, so handsome. I love the coat and beard, lol. Ugh, I would date Hagrid. Tangled up in his beard and fur and... <laughs> I Hagrid's, love your beard, Hagrid. Hagrid's Hag- an emotional mess, though. If you ever had like skeletons in your closet and you told him anything, he would tell everybody. <laughs> or if, or if you broke up with him, he'd be so upset. Yeah, yeah and I'd, then he'd I'd... like drink tubs and tubs of brandy, <laughs> and then only get drunker and wander into the forest and die. 
Is that what you're going for? No, no, he wouldn't die is the thing. He'd just God, wake up so tomorrow. negative, Eric. He'd wake up the next day feeling even sorrier for himself, and then... <sighs> I would not date Hagrid. <laughs> uh, Twisted Logic X says Roger Davies because he's a stud muffin. Who Who is Roger Davies? I don't even know. I can't remember. He's the... Uh... Quidditch. Oh, let me look it up in my lexicon. <laughs> Hang on. Davies. Davies. Let me look Davies. on the internet. Davies. 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 Let's see who gets there faster. Davies Roger. <clears throat> a popular athletic Ravenclaw student a year or two older than Harry. References. Goblet of Fire 22, 23. There we go. Um, Mrs. Colon 29, 16. I would date Ron because he's super hilarious and I like that in a guy. I'm goofy, so I like the guys that are goofy too. I'm not well, hey, Mrs. Cullen, I'm goofy. Uh, I'm reading them off Twitter because oh, okay. I wanted to get a couple other. Roger Davies is um, also a chaser and a captain. One other person said... Let uh, it go, Eric. One other person <laughs> said... I lost it now. One other person, lyric of the day, said Arthur Weasley because he has a car. <laughs> Pretty nice. <laughs> fly. That's always a good reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that car is fly. British, and lastly, Bradacia says, Remus Lupin because the only thing sexier than werewolves is reading. <laughs> Mm. Which I think maybe a little throw to Alex uh, Carpenter there too from the Remus Lupins, perhaps. Um, so there you go. There's uh, some Valentine's Day love. Aww. Is anyone going on some hot Valentine's Day dates tomorrow? No. No. Nick? I've shared all my love in on, on this episode with you guys. We can find you one on the show. Can, can we find you That'd a girlfriend fantastic. on the show? No, because the show airs Sunday. That'd be huge range. Well, I'm not, I don't. I, I just mean, you know, like for whatever. <laughs> mm. <laughs> uh, you know, really, what I was always looking forward to on Valentine's Day was the day after when everyone had the sale <laughs> on the candy. Mm. Oh yeah, it's true. Yeah. What what a nerdy thing to say! Oh, I can't wait for it to end so you get the. That's sale not a on nerdy chocolate. thing. That's a person who likes to eat chocolate. <laughs> Actually, how can chocolate even last that long in Los Angeles with it being all like ninety degrees there and stuff? It's, it's kind of cold it's, right it's now. It's cold. It's rainy right now. It's like Ugh. wet. Yeah. In February. Anyway, moving along, uh, this week in MuggleCast history, we haven't done this segment in a while. Oh. And I found one that I thought, I think is one of our best intros, and it has nothing to do with Harry Potter. This was episode 77. It was February 17th, 2007. Um, so two years ago now. And uh, we're talking about the weather. So take a listen to this. <laughs> I thought we would start off the show this week by talking about the weather. Because we don't talk about the yeah, the weather. All right. Ben, what's the weather like in Kansas? It's cold. I was talking to Mikey last night, and it was nine degrees here. Wow. <laughs> yep. Nine. It's uh, Mikey, what's the weather like? Where do you live, first of all? I live in Fullerton, California. Currently, Ooh. I'm looking at my widget right now. It says it's 73 degrees. So it's uh, wow. kind of warm. Yeah, come to think of it, we're all over the world here. Uh, Eric, what's what's the temperature like in New Zealand? Uh, well, it just happens right now to be a very chilly 66 degrees Fahrenheit. Mm, darn. Yeah. Uh, Kevin, how's the weather up in uh, Connecticut? It's cold. <laughs> Field feels like negative one degree. Kevin, you sound like you have a cold. I, do you have a cold? I do have a cold. 
quite a bad cold. Oh, Kevin under the weather. Kevin's got a blue screen of death. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> For Vista, well, it, does that air, it, it does that arrow effect of the blue screen. You know, it's just, yeah. you fail, you fail, you lose. Restart. <laughs> Yay, Vista. Well, I got news for everyone. It is about to heat up in here. <laughs> Look out! Here it comes. I'm Andrew Sims. I'm Ben Shane. <laughs> so, little little difference in voice there. Yeah, your, everyone. I, your, voice, may, your voice was darker then. It may have been the I mean, darker, deeper. I think it was the compression. Um, how the how the show was compressed. Yeah. Uh, and uh, lastly, today to wrap up the show, uh, another segment we haven't done in a while: chicken soup. This is tough economy edition. So everyone knows America's not Did doing I write too that? well. Huh? Is did this you write that? No. <laughs> Micah, do you want to say what you did today or no? Yeah, I was actually over at the uh, unemployment office. Uh, you're you're forced to make at least one appearance for like a, a unemployment workshop when you file for unemployment, at least in New York State. So uh, that's what I was doing today. It was a lot of. Uh, I'm sure, you were fun. proud to be there. Oh, yeah, it was great. It was amazing. It was a complete waste of time. <laughs> anyway, well, it, it, maybe... You want to see we... your government dollars at work? Go to a place like that. <laughs> oh, no. Maybe this uh, caller can help you out because he's, he's telling us how MuggleCast has helped him uh, deal with the tough economy. Okay, let's hear that. You may not understand why he's in the tough economy situation at first, but I'll explain afterwards. Hey, MuggleCasters, this is Joel22 from Zealand, Michigan, and I'm just calling in with a uh, chicken soup. Um, I sent you one in, in an email a while ago and read it on the air, so I just wanted to share another one. Uh, recently at work, it's been very, very hectic, and um, I work at a subway, and um, I'm one of the closers, and we have to be done within half an hour being closed, and lately it's just been next to impossible because we have a new boss, and she's just asking for the impossible. Um, but it's been really great because after I've closed, I put on MuggleCast, and I listen to stuff, and the time just seems to fly by. And I actually don't think I'd be able to finish in half an hour if it wasn't for you guys. So thank you so much for everything that you guys have done. Keep up up the great work. So there you go. He's he's being rushed to close the store early, so you know they don't have to pay him, you know, more than they absolutely have to. Right. Um, I understand. That. So there you go. Tough, tough economy edition. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, you know, always good to hear how the show is helping out everyone else. Well, Andrew, speaking of the uh, economy, we have a, a new show that we've been working on. We've we've done a pilot episode for it, and it's not all to do with the economy, but the economy is uh, an important topic these days, and, and we're doing a show that relates to a lot of different topics, yeah. and we're really not holding ourselves back at all, are we? Yeah, we're really excited about this new podcast. Yes, we are doing a new podcast, smartmouthspodcast.com, smartmouthspodcast.com. This is a podcast between me. Micah, Matt, Laura, um, Elisa, Elisa, <laughs> Kevin, Stack, Kevin Stack is back, Penny, uh, uh, you, she's been on a couple uh, episodes of MuggleCast, and her husband Greg, who hosts HP Prognostications with her. Basically, it's a show where we talk about whatever we want. Yeah, we sent out a podcast uh, pilot a couple days ago, and people have really been enjoying it, if you saw the link on Facebook. If not, uh, go to smartmouthspodcast.com, and you can see 
uh, the iTunes link to go and subscribe and check it out. Mm-hmm. We're doing the show weekly, and it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it, it is. It does. Rec- um, it does have re- explicit content on the podcast as well. Yes, which makes it extra exciting. But if you're little, don't listen. Mm-hmm. It's not, <laughs> it's not for the little kitties, <laughs> right? So. Um, that's about it. That's all we got for the show this week. I do want to do a quick plug just for MuggleNet in general. Uh, Nick, Micah, and I in particular, and uh, Eric's played a role in this too, we've been revamping the site inside and out. Um, many sections that haven't been updated in a while are now being updated and uh, at a more regular rate, and we're just making it our goal to get MuggleNet back moving again, because uh, some of the content has not been updated like it should be. So, Highly recommend keeping an eye on that updates box on Muggle.com. It's on the right side. You'll see what's been going on around the site, and a lot has been going on. We we've had two new recipes added to uh, the Rosemerta's rep recipe section. Wow. Which oh, now there's a- somebody. What there's somebody you could throw out for. Uh- going on a date with Madame Rosemerta. <laughs> mm. I think Ron's already been Ron, there and done that. High. Yeah, well, sloppy <laughs> seconds. What are you gonna do? <laughs> Uh, one of the one of the newest recipes added are pretzel wines. Pretzel wines. It's a great uh, bottom of that. The chocolate is melted, long pretzel rods, and uh, some decorative sprinkles. Uh, so it's a lot of fun. I think pretzel wines are quite delicious. Uh, so that's it, guys. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. It's been a, it's been a really fun show. Let's remind everybody about our contact up our P.O. Box, P.O. Box 3151, coming to you If you want to leave us a voicemail, we were going to get back to today, but there haven't been many voicemails, so we'll, we'll hold off until uh, next time. And the United States, the number is 12820 magic and the United Kingdom, the number is 0281440677, and if you're in a different country or you don't want to call in that way, just use our state name, which is Underpass. Flawless. <laughs> <laughs> that was wonderful. <laughs> I'm just getting a little excited. There. Uh, that made me happy. Uh, okay. Are you, are you good? Yeah. Okay.